Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. That means y'all need to slow down and listen to The Mystery of Parenthood, which is what you're uh, tuned into right now. And uh, we'll begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. And Holy Spirit, come. And so, we in that in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you guys, all right? We're here with Adam Brill and Thaddeus Romanski. Good morning, Trey. How are y'all? Good morning. And um, Dennis is over there on the board doing what he does. Pushing those buttons, pushing making those all buttons, the magic happen. Making the magic happen. So, hey, before we get started, we're going to jump back into liturgy and the Eucharistic prayer and the, the mass yeah. Adam's <laughs> Adam's specialty which is good so I, I can't mess it up but um, but before we begin I just wanted to kind of I, I know there have been a few uh, announcements that you might have heard on the radio uh, recently but want to go ahead and point out to y'all that November 6th is the first ever together in holiness in the Austin Diocese that's going to be at St. Williams in Round Rock um, it starts at 11 to 4.30 is the, is the time frame. Check-ins at 10. Um, there's Mass at 5 following the 4.30. So great for young married couples, old married couples. Um, the Swaffords will be here, and I think there's one other, uh, one other person. Let me see who, who that is. It's Tony and Becky Salcedo. And um, anyway, it should be a great um, – event and we would really love for y'all to be there you can go to registration at for faith i mean for life and family.org or you can just plug in which is what i did um together in holiness austin mm-hmm. it'll pop up on mm-hmm. on google looks like right now because i think we're past the early registration that it is uh 59 for a couple and an individual's $35. I know there's even some that are just preparing for marriage that are that are going. $5 per child for child care, ages two to five. I know there's some some first come, first serve, I think it's up to maybe 30 kids, but two to five is the age bracket that they're mm-hmm. doing it. And it says they have scholarships available. So if, if the uh, 59 or the 35 is a little bit too much for somebody, they, they can help defray some of that cost. Yeah, so... If you contact them. I, I think it'd be well worth your while to... To make an effort if it's there, I think it's a great time for, you know, Stephanie and I used to always talk about what helped us is that we got together at things like this and kind of developed a common language, you know, about parenting and um, took time to talk about being purposeful and intentional in our parenting. And um, So you were like purposeful in that moment about being purposeful. purposeful. I'm purposely purposeful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or intentionally intentional. Yeah, but or something like that. But um, but but I've always found that that those times to get away and kind of focus with that being the the main reason for getting together. You're spending time together, but it has you know there's content that can spark some discussions. There's um, even I'm sure there'll be challenges to like add some things to your 
to what you're doing currently and and all that um, just lends itself to allowing um, or helping those who attend um, to be thoughtful about what they're purposeful, intentional about what they're doing as parents. But anyway, did I cover everything? Yeah, I was just going to mention that it's the uh, St. John Paul II Foundation that puts on the Together in Holiness conferences. Right. And that's a nice segue into some liturgy news that Adam has to share with us concerning St. John Paul II. Yeah, thanks. Uh, If you guys didn't know, this Friday, the 22nd, is the Feast of St. John Paul II. Uh, So if you've got a great devotion to him like I do, and obviously people here do, uh, I recommend you make your way to daily Mass uh, or any Mass to celebrate the great saint, the great Pope. Uh, something special that St. Thomas Aquinas is doing on that Friday, on this coming Friday at 6 p.m. So we're actually having a Latin Mass, traditional Latin Mass, or extraordinary form Mass, whatever terms you use. Uh, <laughs> Uses antiquor. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the older use, the ancient use. Um, that Mass will be at 6 p.m. in the church at St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, I wanted to bring it up because it's it's an anomaly. It's uh, We're probably one of the only people who celebrate that. Uh, Last year, the Vatican gave permission for churches to celebrate saints who were canonized after the reforms of the Second Vatican Council's liturgy in the older liturgy. Um, And since St. John Paul II was a great liturgist, loved the Mass in general, tried to make the ordinary form Mass better, uh, we thought it would be good to celebrate him on that feast day since we could. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And that prayer we prayed is... Written mm-hmm. by John Paul II. So that so. Mass is going to be at noon? 6 p.m. Sorry, 6 yep. p.m. Latin Mass to celebrate Correct. Pope St. John Paul II's Correct. feast day. Mm-hmm. Some people call him St. John Paul the Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree, but it, my all-time favorite game changer for me in yeah. my conversion. So love him. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anyway... Um, and then you said, didn't you say you had, y'all had some other liturgies yeah. coming up? Uh, well, that you wanna... I'm working on some other things to, to try to get us ready for the great coming seasons. Um, obviously, we got some great feast days coming up. You know, we got all saints and all souls. We got Christ the King, a solemnity to end ordinary time. And then we get the two great seasons of Advent and Christmas. Um, so we're trying to do a lot of things at the parish to really elevate those seasons and make them come alive. Um, one of the new things that we're going to try to do this year uh, is Solemn Vespers the week before Christmas. Okay. Um, so if any of you have celebrated evening prayer before, uh, reading the Psalms and things like that, it'll be that, but uh, dialed up to 11. Uh, we'll do all the things, the incense, uh, all the different things that we can do, and it will actually be sung the celebrant will be singing. Uh, the people will be singing the psalms together. Uh, we're trying to get uh, other people involved to sing. We're get, trying to bring back tradition, connect with tradition a little bit. That Those vespers used to be uh, what is traditionally called the O Antiphons mm-hmm. vespers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those seven special O Antiphons, um, O Radix Jesse, O Adonai, all those ones that um, everybody knows and they're like, oh, these are great. These are cool titles. But... How many parishes actually celebrate them? Very few. So uh, we're trying to do that to bring it back and allow people to see uh, beautiful aspects of liturgy that aren't often seen. And if I can, if I can plug uh, Red Sea's commitment to the O Antiphons, we've been running uh, the o Ant- recorded mm-hmm. versions of the O Antiphons for a few years now that we produced in house, and we run several times throughout the day uh, on the on the days of the Antiphons. And they're always, uh, what is it, December 17th through December 23rd. the 23rd. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Starts with my... Check them out. Our anniversary. We'll be 33 years married on uh-huh. December 17th. So Nice, man. Oh. <laughs> and my birthday falls in the Antiphons, uh, nice. December 20th. Uh, and speaking of people dialing things up to 11, I want to say... Adam Brill dialed up his wardrobe to 11 today. He's looking sharp, <laughs> folks. You. He got Thank you. coordinated shirt and sweater with, man, he look, he's somebody. Thank you. I feel privileged. Like I. <laughs> looking like a bum. I feel pretty, pretty much pretty scuzzy and today. I just, I just wear what anchors wear. Bakers you always look good, it's Trey a Cash. Profession. You it's, always it's look good. It's a professional hazard to be dressed like this. <laughs> a lot of people would pay money not to. But anyway. I digress. It's, but I think there's a, there's something there we can use as a transition to go talk about our topic today, which is 
more about the liturgy. Um, you know, you have a particular dress that you wear when it's time for right. you to be a banker and to do your banker things. And there's a particular set of dress that the priest puts on and so that he can be doing his mass duties so right. that he can do that work for the, the people. Mm-hmm. Talk, maybe Adam, talk, let's start from there of what's some of the significance about the, some of the vestments that the priest puts on? You don't have to go through each piece of his, of his garb, but mm-hmm. what's some of, the, why does a priest have to put on special garb? Why do, why can't, you know, just a Baptist or a low church of Christ uh, preacher riding the circuit, you know, he just shows up in his black suit and gets his Bible out and he's just preaching to the people. And why isn't that sufficient for, for a Catholic priest? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so each uh, vestment has uh, a different meaning and a different practical and spiritual reason as to why the priest mm. wears it. Um with there, there are some liturgists who think only about all the spiritual meanings of all the different things. And, um, like when the priest washes his hands during the mass, like there's a prayer that goes with it. The priest says from the Psalm and they're like, Oh, this super spiritual connection. Um, but there's also the practical reality that at that time at a high mass, the priest would have just used really dirty charcoal and incense and gotten his hands all dirty. So they're like, okay, we'll add this in here. And then you spiritualize it. Um, so a lot of things that happen ritually kind of have both and they have imminent the, and transcendent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's very catholic yeah i mean the, the both hand and, and the taking seriously the humanity mm-hmm. as well as the uh presence of god in that in that for so. sure yeah and and it's it doesn't mean that the holy spirit isn't guiding the church in those practical moments to add or to do things in the liturgy that are that can have these spiritual connections it's actually right. God can work in those ways. As, I mean, we see it in the scripture all the time. Well, the, I mean, that, that kind of, uh, don't lose your thought, but but I think that brings up a really good point that that, that I had a professor a long time ago, like we, we were had found out we were having uh, triplets and, and knew that it was going to probably run up against um, my ability to finish my master's in theology at UD. And so I went early mm-hmm. that when I found that out to talk to the professor and there was a rule you could only miss one class in a semester and it was my last semester mm-hmm. and uh there was fear that that wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. and and the response i got was not what i had hoped for <laughs> i mean he did say we'll we'll work with you mm-hmm. but you know if something happens like that then then maybe it wasn't god's will for you to finish mm-hmm. well you know you know you don't want to always hear that but but you got to see god's hand in the practical requirements of something and that he's fully aware of all of that. And so he can use very practical, hard deadlines or other things to say, Hey, or at least allow for maybe a change of plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, he did let me get through. I I graduated the day the triplets were baptized. So I missed holy born born. I mean, uh, so I did get through the four that I needed to go to, to get, to get my degree. So nice. anyway, but that last one, maybe that's why I make mistakes on liturgy, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hopefully, but anyway, back yeah. to you, but I just wanted to point yeah, out yeah. that just because something happens because it's a natural consequence of what's going on does not mean that for some reason that's not God at work. Right. God so, made all the natural things. Absolutely. And he has complete control over it. Yes. So, yeah. so anyway, no, that's great. It's a good that's point. Good point. Um, yeah, so uh, there's historically throughout the church, uh, different vestments were added and evolved and changed and decorated differently and things like that. Um, the vestments that our priests wear uh, come from Roman uh, ecclesi- uh, uh, judicial and, and ceremonial uh, wear and stuff like that. Okay. Um, that's what, if you haven't heard it much, that our liturgy is called the Roman Rite. So uh, if you really want to look back to anything, why we have something uh, in our liturgy, uh, even up to today, a lot of times it's because it came from Roman custom. Uh, and then because Rome had the Pope, 
and Rome had people like the Franciscan missionaries that he, the Pope, sent everywhere, uh, and the Jesuits that were sent everywhere. Uh, that's why all of the, and the Dominicans, yeah, yeah, well, uh, no <laughs> uh, but they all, all those customs followed out with those orders and came from Rome. Uh, so a lot of those customs are uh, Roman in in nature even uh just the way that the political society was being run that different judicial actions in the courtroom kind of fall and stuff like that okay um but the spiritual principle that came from that from each one of those uh realities each different vestment is that the underlying principle is that the vestments are meant to glorify god just like everything that we do during liturgy. Right. So they became ornate. They became special fabrics and gold and thread and stuff like that. Um, they The liturgical seasons developed colors uh, that are associated with the seasons. So the vestments were meant to match those seasons uh, to allow people to see, to know when they come in, when they see the priest come in, what's happening, what season you're in, especially in times when people were illiterate and they didn't have hand missiles and all that kind of stuff. Oh, he's in black. I guess somebody <laughs> just died. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's a funeral. Exactly. It's, or it's All Souls Day. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And then, or it's purple. It's, it's probably Advent or Lent or yeah. uh, it's uh, red. So a martyr, um, mm-hmm. something like that. S- just yesterday, St. Luke yeah. Yeah. is and feast day. Today, the uh, American martyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, but each vestment, uh, kind of accumulated over time out of different things. Uh, but beyond that principle of, of glorifying God, it was also meant to show two things for the, the clergy wearing it. One, um, their status as leading the congregation in prayer, that they were set apart something special. Uh, if you think about things that are decorated in the church, that are covered in the church, those are usually very special things. You'll see the altar uh, at St. Thomas. We have the antipendium that goes around the altar in the ambo. It's a, a frontal, a cloth that matches the liturgical colors. Uh, same with the ambo. Often churches have the tabernacles covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we veil our chalices and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's acknowledging things that are set apart, something particular. And for the clergy, it's meant to say these ones are set apart for God and then to direct the faithful in in the act of worship. And then it's also meant to hide the person mm. and their personality and mm. their style and stuff like that. So, I mean, you you acknowledge that I look pretty, pretty cool today. Um, I, I like to look nice sometimes. I try to look good uh, when I when I have the time and the energy. But uh, when I if I were to serve at the altar in any way, uh, my style, my preferences, my uh, individuality isn't actually meant to be shown. It's meant to be hidden because worship, as we said earlier, is a corporate act. Mm-hmm. It's everybody worshiping together. So it's not right. about me and my style and my preferences. It's about God and worshiping God. And so the easiest way to do that without showing any uh, preference and any different style is to have these vestments for the clergy that they are hidden away in the vestment and then clothed in a sense with Christ. Right. So, because they are in persona Christi. Yeah, the priest is acting in persona Christi. So it's a, it's a kind of real material way of bringing out that, that spiritual fact that the, that the priest, the, the man who is the priest is in the liturgy Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so each vestment actually has, most people don't know this. There's a prayer that, the clergy say when they put their vestments on. Oh yeah, on. the vesting prayers, right? Yeah, they're vesting prayers. And so I, I put them up, they're on the, the cabinets and the sacristy so the priest can see them when they're praying and when they're getting vested. Um, each one kind of pulls out the spiritual meaning. Well, obviously, uh, as we acknowledged earlier, there's those practical meanings. Uh, the the owl being the one that's probably most known um, because you see it in other places, it, it's meant to remind you of baptism. It's this white garment that covers everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the prayer that's said there is, Cleanse me, O Lord, and purify my heart, that being made white in the blood of the Lamb, I may attain everlasting joy. Mm. That, hearkening back to Revelation, in the book of Revelation, that the those in heaven wash their clothes white yes. in the blood of the Lamb. Right. The 144,000? Yeah. That's say. I don't know the numbers, but I'm a theologian, not a mathematician. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was was hoping that you would maybe uh, talk about the the rope that the priest puts on. What's the significance of of that? The cincture? The cincture, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there there have been a couple different um, similar reasons. The practical, obviously, um, in, in the olden 
ritual. It's not done by everybody today. The stole that the priest wears, which hangs around his neck, mm-hmm. would go, it would not necessarily go straight down, but they would actually cross it and then make okay. a cross over their body. And the cincture would actually hold the stole in place by creating okay. loops. So you've got a little bit of a practical thing there. Um, as well as just the some albs being super flowing, it it's, tightens it in. It just holds it together. It's um, like a belt. Yeah, it is a belt, uh, and that's really the practical initial historical reasons for it. Uh, but then there's actually most people don't know in the extraordinary form. There's a blessing for the cincture of Saint Thomas Aquinas hmm. that oh. only the Dominicans could do. That blessing only Dominicans could do until very recently. Uh, and it's because the hagiography of St. Thomas, when his family locked him away in a tower and they sent in, um, a woman to seduce him and he basically chased her out and remained, it remained pure that he was lauded for his purity and that it's, this blessing is for essentially a, a belt for purity sake. Yeah. And so that there's a special blessing there, oh. um, and a special meaning there. Uh, the, the, Prayer that's said currently with the cincture is, Gird me, O Lord, with the girdle of purity, and quench in me the fire of concupiscence, that the grace of temperance and chastity may abide in me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are really good. I know that Stephanie, and, and they're still, I was just looking up, I think you can actually still get the Elect for Children vestments and mm-hmm. even... Um, the chalice, the other things, so that you can actually teach um, teach those things. I mean, have have them, which I think is important because, again, e- even little things like the color of the vestment, you should be letting the kid, if it's green, it means one thing. If it's red, it means something. And so, um, I was wondering, like I was wondering kind of along those lines, you know, could it be appropriate for a family, maybe for the parents to, to do this and then introduce it to the, to the kids? But have some um, family kind of vesting prayers that the parents and the children huh. pray yeah. as they're getting ready for mass that are that are adapted from those things. Yeah, I actually I did that a few years did ago. Did you really? Yeah, for myself. T- tell, for my, tell me about that. I don't have them on me right now. Oh, you didn't I wish say, I did. Yeah. You How did you? Me. Um, so basically, I took these and and it's because in general, right, the liturgy is meant to sanctify our daily life. Right. It's meant to flow out into our daily life and. Um, we're not meant to be uh, clericalized in the sense that we think we are the priests and deacons. Sure. Uh, but by our baptism, we are priests. Right. We are uh, those who serve in the temple and worship the Lord and offer sacrifice to him. So our day should be offered as a sacrifice. Um, so I took these prayers and I, I went through like the major things that I would wear during the week. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of made a similar prayer and, and similar theme around it. So you got like, I did kind of like an undershirt was a white undershirt was like the alb. Um, you got a belt, obviously, like you're talking about with the cincture. Um, I also used uh, a rosary as a part of that, um, having that on me every day or a crucifix at least with mm-hmm. me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just similar prayers based on if I was doing whatever I was wearing and trying to. That's great. Yeah. That's Would you be okay if, if you found them and sent those to us? And sure, I'll try to find them and I'll make okay. them look a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but that, is, that is like the the ultimate sign of Adam as liturgy nerd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, well, but I, but I think it it, it points yeah. to the way that that parents can use that and and even help in making distinctions because. We're all we often get you know the lots of our Protestant brethren will get on us about well, why do you have a priest you're a priest and we need to say amen to that we are a priest yeah. the, the, we are meant to offer sacrifice and so if I'm a banker and I get dressed I, I like the idea of mm-hmm. had never done that but I you know I'll wear a scapular and stuff so yeah. there's certain prayers right. that I when I put that on um, but the bottom line is is that something that at least ties yourself and what you're about to enter into in your day-to-day life with the liturgy and with what what we're meant to do which is to offer sacrifice so what i do today what i do today i offer that together with christ and and his perfect sacrifice offered in the mass represented in the mass um i offer it to him that's a that's a good short prayer it doesn't take there's the traditional morning offering prayers and stuff like that yes yeah yeah and i and i love the the prayer that you quoted for the sincture i mean that prayer in adapted form for 
a husband adapted form for a young single man. I mean, mm-hmm. men need to pray something like that every single day. And I mean, I put on a belt yeah. every single day Daily. and yeah. I, I need that. Yeah. I need that prayer and that reminder of committing myself to, to chastity. Mm-hmm. But it's, you it's know, it's a lot every of one of us is called to that. I, I think sure. it's good to get in the habit of having reminders. Mm-hmm. So I used to always say that, you know, how you, how you pray constantly, even in the, in the midst of the craziness is to have, you know, things that, Hey, I ought to take a short moment to glance yeah. <laughs> towards heaven at this moment. And, you know, for me, there are weird things like, you know, if I saw that it was three thirty-three or one eleven on a on a digital clock, I would say, okay, that's hmm. a sign of the Trinity. I mm-hmm. need to just mm-hmm. at that moment, particularly if I catch it, is is a reminder. But getting dressed in the morning or whatever, those are all kind of just reminders to say, okay, that this is more than just putting on my clothes. This is offering the day mm-hmm. and what's about to happen. Why I'm getting dressed mm-hmm. um, is to go out and do what I do. Right. And, and that's what the sacramentals, like right. you mentioned, the scapular, I said the rosary earlier. Um, those aren't obviously the seven sacraments. Right. But they're meant to point you back to it. Right. They're meant to remind you about your faith. So if you have the rosary in your pocket, it's meant to, when you put your hands in your pocket mm-hmm. and you feel that rosary, you're like, absolutely right. I'm Catholic. My faith say a prayer at that time, or just re- reminding you to do it. If you didn't say your prayers those that day or whatever. Um, and and yeah. reminding of, you to check to check whatever thoughts might be going through yeah. your head at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Going and Teresa Lisu, you know, at the beginning of the section of the catechism basically says it's simply a glance towards heaven. I mean, it's not it doesn't have to be a full fledged prayer. It could be just, Lord, you know, help me this next hour or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, it could be that simple and then just go back to what you're doing. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, who did Practicing the Presence of God, who wrote a bunch of letters. It was always those kind of things that he used to remind, okay, this next thing is, yeah. you know, I'm going to offer and I need to focus on that, but I need to offer it prior to focusing on it. Yeah. So I, I think those are good habits to right. teach your kids and to cultivate in yourself. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be like I have to memorize a prayer. It can just be, okay, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, so we have Father dressed in his sacra- his uh, sacramental garb, and mm-hmm. he's said his vesting prayers, and he's gotten through gone through Mass, and we're you know at the Eucharistic prayer, and we were discussing that last time, and we left off with this idea of that the Mass is a a pure sacrifice. So. What 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 makes the mass a pure sacrifice? Why does the Eucharistic prayer emphasize that the sacrifice is pure? Yeah, so uh, I, I started. We started to talk about it a little bit, yeah. but it's great to dive into. I think that's one of those phrases that gets overlooked pretty quickly um, because it, it, it's just a quick line. It's just a quick little line, uh, but. With everything liturgical, we can't actually look at it without remembering the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, because the Old Testament is full of worship, uh, rules around worship, sacrificial language and imagery, practices, rubrics and everything. Uh, and as we hear in scripture, Jesus says, uh, I, I did not come to abolish. I came to fulfill. So everything that Jesus gave to us that we have in the Old Testament and the tradition of the church, all of that is to be fulfilled fulfilling the old testament so when you think about the mass uh, a lot of people think obviously the passover right because the old testament right. feast that was happening at the time of the last supper and at the offering of christ uh but he took he took not just that offering the passover offering he took every offering there's so many parallels he, the, in the temple there were all these different kinds of sacrifices that you these daily offerings, these weekly offerings, bi-weekly offerings, different kinds of things, uh, bread, goats, lambs, turtle doves, these different things based on time of the year, status, stuff like that. Uh, Christ took all of those things and brought them together um, a- into the, the fulfillment of those sacrifices. And one of the major core things for a sacrifice in the Old Testament is that it had to be uh, without blemish. It had to have no no problem with it. Even though we live in a fallen world and obviously so many things have brokenness and fallenness, uh, 
But that that pure offering in the Old Testament times was a outward image of an interior disposition. Mm. Right. It Which was is, yeah. That's very I mean that's that's very important because everything that we do and I think you know if, I'm going to butcher this but I think Thomas Thomas Aquinas talks about the fact that particularly in the mass and in liturgy that, that if we we're always trying to tie those two things together and sometimes you can have the 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 reminder being I'm kneeling so what is that why does that why mm-hmm. am I kneeling mm-hmm. or I'm standing at this moment why why am I standing those are all things that are meant to be reminders of something else is going on here I'm not just sitting here right um and so the the what they the Catholic calisthenics mm-hmm. that used to mm-hmm. be uh, one of the ways they taught yeah. uh, people coming into the church about well why do we get up and kneel and cross ourselves and genuflect and all the different things that we do are all bodily sign that are meant to be tied to to a to a inward um, event something that's going on they're yeah. meant to connect yeah. which actually points us to the fact that we're meant that's what we're meant to live our life like that that whatever we're doing there should be some <laughs> tie with it's not like we're just going through the motions without recognizing that so if I go to work I mean I should be thinking I'm, I, I I try to remember you know, I work for you Lord I don't work for for the people I work for. Now, one of the ways I show that I'm working for you is by being obedient or by doing doing the things that I ought to do. But ultimately, I'm doing that for love of you, right. you know, and to try to have that way of going to work. So, um, anyway, I, I yeah. think that's I think that that's important to know that yeah. that that really ties into what it means to be Catholic, that right. whatever we're doing. So, is it supposed to be an outward sign of an interior disposition on the part of the Jewish Old Testament priest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and the people and who the people. are giving those offerings. Okay. Because okay. the people who are giving the the lambs to be offered, it's it's for themselves. Uh, they're like, it's my offering that the priest will sacrifice. That it's my sins that need to be covered by the blood of the lamb, mm-hmm. and that or the turtle doves that exactly. Mary and Joseph gave right. at the presentation. That it, it's their interior disposition that they give what they can and that the priest offers it on behalf of them to God and that that is uh, meant to turn away uh, uh, or get rid of guilt uh, in however theologically you want to look at what the Old Testament judicial and uh, sacrificial offerings actually did. Um, but it's meant for you're giving your own offering and that's paralleled obviously in the Eucharist very clearly. And, and I, I, as I recall the, the, and I'm going to read this from yeah. Malachi 111 yeah, because, because, because I think that it's important to recognize you'll hear some of the language that mm-hmm. you hear in the mass connecting back to this. And that my understanding is that the early church saw the mass as the fulfillment of actually this, which Malachi is typically like maybe the last, yeah. the last book it's right. not in mine, but Malachi, Malachi, is it Ma- tomato, I tomato? Know. I say I Malachi. I, okay. I say Malachi. I don't know why, but anyway, <laughs> it's, the last, uh, it's the last book in most Catholic Bibles because the last lines are leading you to the coming Messiah coming, and John uh, the Baptist leading the way for the Messiah. And then what do you pick up when you open Ma- Mark, Matthew? Um, it's John the Baptist right there. So, right. So, yeah. so one eleven Malachi, Malachi. Mm-hmm. Tomato, tomato. Uh, from the for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name is great among the nations, and in every place incense is offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. And so that pure offering mm-hmm. from the rising of the sun to its to setting, its setting, exactly you know, so from the east to the west. Purse, one yeah. of them it's that, but it'd be yeah. even from the east to the west, which would What's also the translation, you know yeah. would be would be. Pointing to this verse in in every yeah yeah and I was going to point out mention that in the Eucharistic prayer three which we're doing the deep dive into it does say a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name I wanted to thought that was that seemed significant also that it's that brings out the idea that the priest is interceding with God he's praying to Mm -hmm. the Father in that moment he's not talking to the congregation oh yeah which you you spent some time. Just revisit that real quickly before we move on, because yeah, that's I mean, such an important it's, aspect of the it's, mass. From the very beginning of the Jewish customs, it's always been that there is a priestly class meant to offer worship to God for the people and with the people, uh, and that carried over so clearly in the in the Catholic Church um, right. that you have uh, actually all three levels of ordination 
are meant to mirror the priesthood in the Jewish times. You've got the bishop, the high priest, you've got the priest, the regular priest, you've got the lower priests, the deacons, the Levites that are offering as well, mm. that all three of those levels are meant to mirror the service that is done in the temple on behalf of the people yep. and with their, with their scent, with their offering internally uh, and with, yeah. And then we're, and then we're, we're meant to, and I think that's where I think a lot of people misunderstand. We're meant to offer ourselves together mm-hmm. with him. That's, that's an active, we talked about that, yeah, an active yeah. participation that mm-hmm. I'm, that I'm, Placing all that I have, we mentioned it last time, but placing all that I have, that there's yeah. something that I'm supposed to do as fulfilling my priestly um, from baptism mm-hmm. um, for the, you know, for that. It's different than the, the is it the functional priesthood or um, the, the ministerial the priesthood, ministerial priesthood. The priesthood and that the ministerial priesthood is, is meant to be at the service mm-hmm. of the common priesthood of right. believers. Right. So. We need to do a better job, I think, as Catholics of being able to explain. We we do believe in the common priesthood, but we still, because Christ made it that way, because Christ left it that way, um, recognize that there is a need for the ministerial priesthood who is at the service of, of us in order for our sacrifices, our participation, our offering of what the sufferings, joys, sorrows, whatever that we experience during the day can be offered and united with the perfect sacrifice, the pure sacrifice, the right. one sacrifice of Christ. Right. And we as his body. So yeah. so we've established this idea of the pure sacrifice. Now the priest goes on and prays and he says that these gifts we have brought to you, to you, Father, mm-hmm. for consecration. So now why do we need God the Father to consecrate these gifts? What does that mean to consecrate? Yeah, so... Uh, we do believe in the Catholic church that the Eucharist is after the prayers are said by the priest becomes Christ present substantially that the, the bread and the wine lose the substance of bread and wine and become the substance of Christ, uh, body blood, soul and divinity all present before, but regular person, regular Joe, you and me, even regular priests by their own nature of being a person, they have no ability to do that. I, I can't take anything and make it another substance just by saying words over it. Right. Uh, even if you take uh, uh, like tools and you put a couple of different things together and it becomes a new object, I'm not literally changing it into a new thing by virtue of my own powers. It's either something that's intrinsic in, in the objects there uh, or it doesn't actually change right. its substance. Uh, but we're asking that just in a few prayers and a few words that the things before the priest, the offerings put before the priest on the altar change in their substance, uh, partially because uh, I was wondering if you were going to call me out last time when we were talking. I would I, never call you out. <laughs> I would never yeah. deign to call you well, out about I, liturgy. I brought up the idea of offering your sins and your brokenness yes. and your weakness because yes. that's all that we really have to offer. Um but then right after we had talked about that, you brought up a pure sacrifice. And so I was worried that you were going to be like, well, how does that jive with it? Uh, um, so I prepared a rebuttal. Good, good, uh, good. But this is exactly it. It's that when we bring all those things to God over the prayers that the priests are said, they transform. Yep. They are no longer what we offered to God, that they become the pure, unblemished sacrifice, Christ the Son, the Lamb who was slain for us. Mm. And so at that moment is when they become a worthy sacrifice Uh, because anything that you and I offer God, our best, whether it be our finest gold and all those things, it means nothing. Separate from Christ, it means nothing. Right. And uh, I mean, they'll say that uh, that's, you look at Thomas Aquinas, you mentioned earlier, you look at him and it's, he says that the incarnation was fitting because God Becoming the man and offering himself gave an infinite, perfect sacrifice back to God. Right. That we could not do alone. Right. And then he offers it for for our ability to mm-hmm. to allow our offerings yeah. uh, properly to understood perfect. to become to become perfect. Yeah. Even if they're not. Right. Uh, and that's why I love I think all Catholics should know Colossians one twenty four because I think it kind of points to this. I mean, it now I rejoice as Saint Paul, now I rejoice in my sufferings for 
for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And I've always said, you know, what's lacking? Nothing other than our offering ourselves together with him. Mm-hmm. That That's what's lacking. Yeah. I mean, his it was perfect, all infinitely beyond anything valuable in the eyes of God. There's nothing that we're adding, yet he uses the term something's lacking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's us. We're being in him. Yeah. You know, we're offering actively, ourselves. actually Actually joining ourselves to that offering. So where do you do that? I always had a person, you know, place yourself, place everything on the patent mm-hmm. or place it in the offering basket or whatever. Something in our minds we should be teaching our kids and mm-hmm. ourselves should be, I'm, I may be putting this check in here or doing whatever, but I'm, I am offering the entirety of my being together with that. And so when it, it's placed on the patent, figuratively, I, and then it's transformed, and then I am in Christ at that moment. Yeah, I want to go back to that. I want to have you clarify exactly that, that I'm, that I'm hearing you correctly. So you're saying that when we put our faults on the altar, or we put our, or we put our best you know, efforts or best intentions on the altar, that in the prayers of the priest and in the action of the Mass, they are being transformed into the substance of the Eucharist along yeah, with... W- without taking that too far to say, like, they are actually this the body and blood in the instance mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I can then just say back to myself, well, now I want my offering back spiritually, mentally, and it's a thing that I receive, and it's Christ. Um, but it's united with that when they're united with the physical bread and wine that are there that are transformed that Christ that God through the offering of Christ accepts kind of gathers them yeah, up yeah capitulates them brings them together in one in one pleasing sacrifice that they're all accepted and that wow. as they're purified and accepted and brought together that that that's when the holy spirit comes down and brings Christ present in the species of bread and wine. So that's almost important to bring home to ourselves and to our children that yes, we can intend to throughout the week to offer our, say our sufferings with, with Christ. But really that action is only happening if we are assisting at mass and that that's, that's another reason why it's important to assist at mass and, and put Put those on the altar at mass. I think it reaches its apex okay, at okay. that moment, right? Okay. Um, because if you actually you look at Malachi that you were quoting, uh, the the line from Malachi says, uh, "From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. Incense offered, uh, made to my name everywhere, a pure offering." That. Malachi was writing in contradiction to the priests in the temple at that time who were giving bad sacrifice and offering. And when it was only the Jews in the one temple in Jerusalem and Malachi is foreshadowing the mass Mm -hmm. where we have it offered all over the world at all times, at all times. So you have the mass now offered beyond the temple. And when that, when that breaks and you're now going beyond the temple, we're now sanctifying the world. Right. We're going out into the world. So our daily lives outside of the church building are meant to sanctify the world, but they're meant to flow to and from the mass. But that reaches its perfection yeah. in the mass when we put our faults and our best mm-hmm. on, the, and, on the altar. And I had, a, I, had a, I had a professor talk you know, about the fact that that's the, the, the one sacrifice that is acceptable is the sacrifice of Christ. And the, the way the mass capitulates, brings us all together and offers that God, God the Father is seeing the offering of his son as his son, the entirety of that's uh, one of the things that I that I've always pointed out to my kids. If 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 you have when they when the priest will put the drop of water into the into the wine and if it's red, I mean, I said, you know, it's just great. It's just be grape juice, um, grape wine, not juice, but grape wine. But mm-hmm. but. But when they put it in there, you you cannot visibly, if it was red, you can't visibly tell that there's any water in there other than that's it. What you see is what looks like has, has the appearance of a cup of red wine. Yeah. And, and so that is a good 
sign of what that drop is not just my own it's actually the entirety of all christians offerings that's the reason that's acceptable is because the blood of christ is there and i think i think that understanding and so there's an offering to god the father but i also like the idea to remind that that in getting back to paul's in colossian in colossians is that he's offering himself to us too and we have to not to accept it and offer ourselves back to him, so there's there's a multiple ways of looking at that that we're we're offering God the Father the perfect sacrifice, but God the Son is offering Himself to us, and then we're offering ourselves back to Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, okay, so let's try to let's try to wrap up all, along those lines. Then that the the this part of the Eucharistic prayer says that we are doing all this. At Christ's command, we celebrate these mysteries. So why is the Mass a celebration? We say birthday parties are celebrations. Mm -hmm. Why are these things that are happening on the altar and in Mass, why are they called mysteries? Because we also talk about, the say, the Trinity being a mystery. Mm -hmm. How are these, how is this a mystery? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Celebrate. I, I, I'm not a linguist like my wife is. Um, she can tell you the etymology of all these words because she knows Latin and Greek super well. But or we can get Father John in here. Uh, but the the word for celebrate, as far as I understand, comes from a word uh, like honoring mm-hmm. the etymology, as well as uh, kind of like an assembly gathering. So okay, that's what. Well, which church ecclesia. In, in the original Greek is is a gathering, right. an assembly. Uh, and so it parallels that, that it's this corporate act that we acknowledge that they're coming together to bring this, this one, do this one thing together, to do these things together, these prayers, these offerings, these, these things, that it's a celebration because it's gathering together to honor God, to worship God uh, as one body. Uh, and that we actually say, uh, you'll hear, you'll hear some liturgists, because the rubric's called the priest at one time, the presider, uh, or the one who who sits among the people. That's kind of where presider comes from, uh, which is where we get the word president. Uh, but that was kind of a, uh, people are trying to sh- stray away from that term now and actually use the word celebrant hmm. because uh, the priest isn't just one in the with the people sitting among the people, but he is the one leading the people in the prayer, as we discussed earlier. So we are all celebrating the one offering, the one act of worship through our common priesthood, through the mystical body, and then the priest, as the celebrant, is leading it, directing it in persona Christi. Right. And then, uh, yeah, the word mystery really just mystery is something that we can't understand, right? Something that uh, this side of the veil will have. Uh, there's that sense of the, of the, the invisible, yeah. not there's something visibly seen, but the invisible reality behind it is not evident to right. us. It's part of our faith. Now you think about baptism. We say that baptism cleanses us from sin just by uh, the action of pouring water over a child and saying these words. That's really hard to believe <laughs> on its face. Right. I had a professor that said if, if people could see what happens at yep. the moment that the water's poured over and I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it would be greater than any expl- – it would – it's literally a transformation mm-hmm. of a per- – I mean, right. I mean, he said it's it, greater than any explosion. If you could do it, it's such a – seminal – I mean, a, right. a moment in a person's life yeah. that if we had – the eyes of faith are were able to see it. Actually, it would be we'd all be more than overwhelmed. Right. It would, it would, and that's what all the prayers and exactly. all the rubrics are supposed to do. And that's why you have some of these really elaborate liturgies, and why over the years they gathered all these things uh, was to show people as best as possible this side of heaven or without seeing the spiritual world, the invisible world, what is actually happening. Uh, I'm actually in the process of composing, you brought up the, the that moment of baptism, we were talking about baptism. I'm composing a sung version of all the baptism rites and the prayers and stuff because we just got a new publication a year ago uh, and all the deacons that I trained and the diocese, they asked like, well, how do we, because I mentioned you can sing all these prayers. 
because singing is an elevated way of speaking and it's to bring it one step higher. They're like, well, how do we do this if nobody provides us the music for it? So I'm in the process of, of creating that for them so that way they can have a ritual text that easily instructs them on, the, on how to sing. But then we're, I want to try it out at St. Thomas at some time, somebody who wants to, where you have not just the deacon singing, you have cantors singing the refrains and the psalms and the antiphons that are actually prescribed at the baptism, that you have servers with cross and candles and incense and bells, and you do the processions and all the things to really elevate the sign value. So even in that moment when the words of baptism are said and, and you don't really see much happen, all the context around it helps it really come to life a little bit more. Uh, cause it's what it's meant. It's meant to really pull you to see the spiritual And, that, and that's why it's so important as parents to, to, to help your kids, particularly as they grow up, understand what's actually going on. It's not just this. I used to tell the kids when that happens, I mean, something amazing is happening. It, the kid may start crying, whatever, but the reality is that's transformation. Something has changed that will be forever changed yeah. no matter what happens. Yeah. At the level that is most important, because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's their souls that will live forever. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, closing thoughts. Time. One minute. And at the, I mean, at the mass, at the consecration, it's exactly the exact same, same thing. thing. It's probably even more extravagant. Absolutely. Um, you think about uh, it, times past, a priest could celebrate. He still can kind of celebrate the mass alone. Uh, and people are like, well, well, that's him not involving the community. But when the priest celebrates a mass, he's never alone because the angels and the saints are there mm-hmm. praying with Absolutely. him. He's joined with them that if we t- took all of that in mind when we were praying at the mass, it would really elevate our experience. Right. So so parents, go learn about this, listen to this, and, and start trying to, t- to teach your kids a little bit because I think that's really our job for them to understand that it's not some just meaningless ritual that there's something real going on there. So, thank you so much, anyway, Adam. Yeah, thank you, awesome. Adam, for everything. Yeah, it's been great. I really appreciate Always learn a lot. So always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He will. Promise. God bless you guys. Bye.